Yo, this is Julian Elijah Martinez. And this is Colin J. Harden. And you're listening to the Episode 1 Show. Right into the danger zone. You know we're right into the danger zone. You know that's making it in there. You know. You know I know. That's, that's why it. I sang it. I'm glad. That's why I sang it. That's our new theme song, y'all. Oh, Jesus. Welcome to the episode one show. <laughs> bow, bow. Yes, sir. We are covering a show I really, 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 really like. Shout out to Uncle Steve and Uncle Bobby, two black Trekkies that I had conversations with in the last year. <laughs> Older fellas, and we, we, we've had kindred spirits. It was awesome, the conversation we had. Anyway, shout out to y'all. You're not going to listen, but I might text y'all. The pod. Anyway, <laughs> now you're gonna listen. Now yeah. you're gonna listen. You, I'm That's gonna make right. you listen. We are, yeah, we are. We are dealing with our second Star Trek series. This is time. It is Star Trek Discovery, and also our other black captain of a Starfleet vessel. Yes, te- well, you know, she's a commander in the pilot and in the first season, yeah. technically. But yes, yes, you are correct. She becomes a captain. But is she the first? A is is um uh Giorgio. The first yeah, Asian? She, yes. Captain? She is. No, no, no. There's there? like I think there's one. See, this is the hard this is the hard thing about right. dealing with Star Trek. Right, right, right. Which is the part time hard thing that we had with Deep Space Nine. Is Star Trek has so much fucking lore. And like just to we're gonna say this straight up. One, we're going to spoil things. Of course. Two, this is not a Star Trek podcast. No. So <laughs> So we have to really work hard to make it not that. And I was thinking about that the entire time. <laughs> The entire but time to, I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, but to answer your question, I think that I did see one. There, there is the, there is the Asian brother who was in Generations, oh, yep. right? Or no, no Voyager who was in Voyager, and oh. then and then I think he might become a captain in like some future episode yeah. or some Mirror World or something like that. Yeah, that's but probably technically. Yeah, I feel like I've seen some Asians in the movies too. Like mm-hmm. an Asian uh, captain, like, but like, not a, I hate to say like a throwaway character, but like just featured shortly as a yes. captain and then like moved on. Not, not a yeah. bunch of lines and stuff like that. Anyway, we are covering the reboot to Star Trek, the 2018 Star Trek Discovery series. And it's actually really, really awesome. I loved it. I, I, I the pilot. <laughs> No, the pilot. We're just going to pull that bandage off right now. I, yeah, I'm just going to get yeah, I know we're supposed to like, you know, we can't, we usually work up to whether we like it or not. But it's one of those uh-huh. things. This time, me and Elijah did this thing where we decided to to, to choose a, a series. And clearly, if we're going to choose that series, we, we kind of love it. And we mm-hmm. probably really liked the first episode and it kind of stuck in our minds. Right. Um, so we can go ahead and say that we really enjoyed it. The, 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 oh, I really enjoyed this one. This is the one that I chose, but mm-hmm. it was really fun to kind of get deep into it. So I'm excited to have this discussion. Yeah, it was uh, the game that we were playing is like a one for me, one for you. And next week is mine. And mm-hmm. this week is Colin's and mm-hmm. Colin picks Star Trek Discovery. And I'm really excited because I, I never watched Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. My dad, who's a big Trekkie, loves Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really excited because the the lead, even though she isn't a captain in the in the season, is a black woman, which I think is a first for mm-hmm. the series. Um, and I've heard of really amazing things. I hear that it's it it it's a bit of a departure. I hear it gets a little dark. Um, I hear it it's a little controversial. So I was really curious in 
in terms of watching this. Yeah, it, it, it and it comes out swinging, honestly, like from the yeah, start, and that's the that's what I loved about it. And I remember, I remember my mom because me, you know, we talked about this on the pod before. As kind of my sci-fi journey started with Star Trek in my house with my parents, we just watched it every week, right? Mm-hmm. My mom calls me just to tell me about Star Trek Discovery. She's like, "Have you seen Star Trek Discovery?" And I'm like, "Yes, I have, <laughs> of course, right?" <laughs> and then she's like, "That." opening was so amazing just just the whole i the whole idea of bringing the klingons back and the way they did it was yeah. just so awesome yeah I, yeah that cold open we're gonna we're, we're gonna call we're gonna go in swinging too yeah got to. just go right into it and that and that cold open with the with the klingon it's we start off with this like space beautiful. sequence beautiful beautiful you know all you know cgi Popping that Paramount Plus. That money is crazy, bro. <laughs> that Paramount money is different. <laughs> Just straight up different. different on this one, <laughs> and and it it zooms out through space into a Klingon's eye, and all of a sudden there's a big difference because I know this. We're, I know this is not a Star Trek podcast, but we get because there's to. so much lore. We have, have to. to. They look fucking different. They look like, different. Yeah, we know it's Klingon because they're talking Klingon. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we see that face, we're like, "Oh shit!" Like this is they they're they're a little more demonic. They're a little bit more orcish. They're a little, they're definitely more alien. It's and they we're have like a, a they have like a, a a heft to their presence that's different yeah, too. Yeah, you know, yeah. like a lot of the Klingons. You know, there's multiple iterations of Klingons in the Star Trek. We, this is not a Star Trek podcast, <laughs> but just to say, when you go back in time, you look at the old ones. Sometimes, I mean, there's a Christopher Lloyd. Klingon portrayal that is like goofy as hell in the movies yeah. in the past. And then there's like, you know, obviously you got Worf who is like, has that mm-hmm. dignity and that mm-hmm. kind of like that gravitas that we, that we kind of like, we know the Klingons for. And then this mm-hmm. is just a whole nother level. Like yeah, the, the, the set design, the costume design, this creature design with the face, the, the, the face yeah. and all that shit is just incredible. So it's, we know immediately we're looking at a completely different thing, but they do a cold open, which does exactly what every every cold open is supposed to do: disorients right. your your audience, but also intrigues them. Mm-hmm. And then has us ask, has us asks those those impertinent questions like, "What the hell are we getting ourselves into?" Right, right. in a good way. Well, and also, and what's also they do? I mean, it is a cold open, and and we are living in a time of cold opens. It's like almost every pilot we see nowadays starts with a cold open. Um, but what was really interesting that, that they did with this is that the Klingons are speaking Klingon. They're not speaking English. Mm -hmm. So, which immediately means like, I can't second screen this. I got to like kind of watch to see Mm -hmm. what the, what the fuck they're saying. And the Klingon is looking direct to camera while they're delivering the speech. It's very important stuff that they are saying, which Mm -hmm. is basically setting up the entire Klingon, uh, uh, drive and intention behind every single thing this, these characters are going to do, which is and, reestablish and every single empire. thing they're going to do for the future of the entire Star Trek universe. Also, yeah, mind you, yeah, yeah. yeah. But go ahead. Oh Sorry. shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one's going to be hard. <laughs> this is going to be I so thought... hard to talk about this as just a, a, a pilot, as just a pilot, because like it is, it, it is, it is doing, it is essentially rebooting. Mm-hmm. What is it? Forty-five years, fifty years of I of something franchise like IP. Sixty. Something like 60? That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but they do that, and then the last line 
that they have is spoken in English, and it's so dope. And he 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 growls out, "We come in peace." And it's such a dope. That's oh, such a dope line. <laughs> but it was oh, so man. good, and it was like scary. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, oh no, shit. Yeah. It's like they saw we come, and it's so the irony of that line and the way that it's set up, like saying that we come in peace is seen as like a battle cry to them. It's wild. Uh-huh. It's just so yeah, wild. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's wild. Which then, like, when we look at it, so the, the title of this pilot, we, 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 we all, we, we in the fucking, uh, we in, we in the Delta quadrant right now mm-hmm. with our oh, yeah. format. Oh, yeah, we're all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> so the title of the pilot is A Vulcan Hello, and everything about, like, this pilot is all about, like, irony in a lot of ways, like, uh, ways in which antithesis, ways in which we, we shift and change what, what one culture thinks is valuable or what one culture means um so we we're gonna find out what a vulcan hello actually is where we find out like the fact that like klingons say we come in peace is a battle cry you know what i mean it's everything is topsy-turvy everything is is turned on on its head um with this with this reintroduction into this very well-known universe very well-known uh story and world yeah you're starting out with two completely different characters and that after that cold open you're seeing two different completely different characters you don't know who they are but mm-hmm. you immediately are established you immediately they immediately establish who they are uh we have a captain who's walking with their first officer in a desert someplace in arizona probably <laughs> no that shit was the that shit looked like the um what is it the, the void the sphere what do they shoot the mandalorian on the oh i, don't, I have no idea where they do this the, the space something the whatever it's like it's it's got a name to it is, is it, it like it's like a set like not like a real set or is yeah it like so a- what the way the way it works with the mandalorian is that they have um basically like a three they have a bunch of L, um led screens mm. like in essentially a big ass sphere and what they can do is they can use that those led screens to then project whatever they want mm-hmm. and so it doesn't just it creates three uh three-dimensional kind of space rather than most traditional green screens creates kind of a flattening kind of effect. Mm. That was what was so radical with around this technology nice. um, is the fact that like, it looks like you're riding through Tatooine. You know what I mean? Even though essentially they're just like in a big ass blue sphere. Right. Because know? of that 3d proje- projection, it was, a, mm-hmm. they're able to achieve yeah. that, that kind of yeah. depth of field. That yeah. Looks, that looks yeah. real. We, we actually, this is we're we're on a bit of a tangent, but we actually did that a little bit with Wu Tang. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, but with Wu Tang, um, instead of having a whole ass sphere, we had like five or six L- <laughs> LED screens. <laughs> and so, but we did it on we did it on the bus episode. So anybody's seen the bus episode? All that was done using this kind of like similar technology. Interesting. We just didn't have we just didn't have Mandalorian money, so we couldn't like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's dope, though. That's really dope. No, I didn't know that. No, but they're, they're sitting there on the, um, they're in some kind of desert. It looks like Arizona. It's it's in a sphere. They're they're walking through sand, <laughs> and they're, and they're they're carrying out what we know. As, as if you're a Star Trek fan, you don't have to be, but if you are, you understand they're they're carrying out, uh, the mission. The mission to right. kind of like help this home world without interfering and and um. And in, in interfering with that that prime directive, right? And and all, you know, so they're going through that, and we're kind of learning about these two characters, Philippa, and their their relationship. And I love this opening because it is kind of like establishing what the show is going to be about, 
and what mm-hmm. this pilot is going to be about. And to me, what that is about is their relationship and kind of like the theme of trust. There's right. a lot of theme of th- trust being thrown around. Um, in this particular instance, uh, Michael Burnham, great name for, for a character in Star Trek, by the way. Mm-hmm. But Michael Burnham, uh, who's the first officer to Philippa Giorgio, the captain of the Shinzo. She's telling them, like, I'm not lost. We're going to this place. We have to we have to find the water for this particular alien species. They're about to die out if we don't find it. And she's like, I think you're lost. And then it turns out that Michael Burnham is correct. Um, (laughs) And that's that's another theme throughout this entire series, too. And then this pilot is like. She's right. I mean, she might yeah. she might have um, un, unorthodox tactics, but she's usually correct. So anyway, they find it. They they're able to find the water for the people and then kind of go on their way. Uh, and then there's a storm that's impending because, of course, there's always a freaking storm that's going to kill them right after they they're to. about to 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 carry out this mission. Mm-hmm. And then the tables are turned. Now, Michael Burnham, because she miscalculated how close the storm was going to be. The captain now has to find a way to get them off of this this uh, this planet, which she does in her own specific way. And she asks her to trust her. She asked the cap. The captain asked Michael Burnham to trust her in this moment. Mm-hmm. So in this open, you see that kind of back and forth between them. You see the relationship. You see that they've been working together for seven years. And then you see that they have this kind of like push and pull relationship to, related to trusting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what's all, they also get this really great moment in which um, so uh, uh, Philippa uh, proposes a question as they're like kind of wandering around to uh, to Michael, and the question is like, "Oh, if you're stuck, what would you do?" Mm-hmm. And it's a great way to create, especially for your two protagonists, to give a little bit of of character just character description to your audience by having them kind of answer these kind of hypothetical questions Mm -hmm. so michael says some things like well i'm going to like find a way to adapt into the society and fold myself in and find my and make my way make myself useful so that way i can kind of live um uh, undisturbed for as long as i can until i can get a signal out and then philippa has just one answer to this and she says i will escape Mm -hmm. and instantly we know which is so interesting between these two because as you actually watch this pilot, mm. it actually ends up being the opposite. Yep. You know, it's actually like you would think that like, okay, based on that conversation that Philippa is going to be the one with all the impulse and all the initiative and all the radical thinking and all the radical changes. Mm-hmm. But actually, Philippa ends up being extremely, extremely conservative and Michael, when pushed to shove actually is the one who's impulsive is radical in in her thinking um so it's so fascinating that you pose this hypothetical question both characters answer the question and yet the entire it sets up our expectation of what they will do but then the entire pilot these characters are actually doing the opposite of what our expectations are Mm -hmm. yeah and then she she does a classic thing that they do in a lot of tv shows where somebody asks a question and then you don't answer the question you you bring uh, another plot related or character related element to it so there was a moment where philippa giorgio or no excuse me michael burnham asks or she's concerned about the direction they're taking right uh Mm -hmm. and then philippa tells her which i love this too she was like 
I'll follow my footsteps, even lines when she's mm-hmm. setting up the the whole way that they're going to escape. She says, follow my footsteps, which is also, you know, could, could be seen as symbolic of what Philippa wants Michael Burnham right, to do right. in, the, in the future there. Uh, but then she also, so, so Michael Burnham's asking all these questions, like, what if we don't get off? Like, what, what's going to happen if we do this? And then she's, uh, she says, some, she just answers that by saying, you know, I think it's time for us to talk about you, uh, your command you have in yes. command in the future yeah. so like yeah. after she sets up the whole follow my footsteps and then she has her first officer who's like her right hand woman who's mm-hmm. concerned she says you need you're a leader and i want to put you in this position which is mm-hmm. exactly what your your boss would do if you got some time alone you know and and that's what i love about this scene too it's like when you're talking about the opposite between philippa and michael or the opposite kind of the flip that happens the flip happens because we're not we're not burdened by the institution in mm-hmm. this moment. We're in the we're in an yeah. intimate kind of like personal moment where we could talk mm-hmm. about what we would do if we were not burdened by the institution. Now when we're right. on this ship, now we have to like Philippa flips. She's more right. like we now need to abide by these strictures. And Michael Burnham's like, what? Like, no. Like right. we need to it doesn't matter what the what the institution says, this is the right thing to do. And that is what we learn more about these characters as well. Right, right, right. And also what you're also doing too is you're getting a bunch of backstory. You're getting a bunch of like this is the world of your of your of your pilot. Um because like as soon as they get rescued, we're gonna get right into essentially the inciting incident. And so this I mean, how long is this sequence? Like maybe three minutes? Well, yeah, something like that. So it's like in three, yeah, yeah, like in two and a half minutes and three minutes. Now, granted, like you kind of need to know a little bit about Star Trek to like really, really like be immersed in this story. For sure, for sure. But stripping that away from it, I'm like, okay, I understand. I understand that these two people's character dynamics, I understand their relationship. I understand what Michael wants, which is essentially the captain position. I understand Mm -hmm. how Michael's going to get what she wants by following instructions and following orders. Mm-hmm. Um, I also get that, like how, who captain Philippa is and how, like how much she loves adventure and how she doesn't sweat under like when things look a little dire, like I I'm getting so much about these, these two characters very, fairly quickly. Yeah. I, I remember watching this uh, pilot in the past and thinking because I enjoyed it so much and remember like so many things about it. I, I, put myself in multiple worlds. I was like, this this pilot goes here and here and here. And when mm-hmm. I watch it this time, I realize it's very, very, it's like a bottleneck episode, really. Yeah. Like it's it's very much, um, it's it's brought together and consolidated in this one space. It's not, it's not as expansive as a lot of uh, Star yeah. Trek episodes are. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was kind of really interesting to, to remember that this show really is about this, this show, the series, it what it signals to the audience. And I think it's something that's interesting to learn as writers is like, if the show is going to be about your, about one singular character, it's, this is a good show to watch, like a, yes. a good show to watch about you're going to, even though, even though you're, you're messing with genre, you're messing with franchise. This show is about Michael Burnham and her journey, yes. her specific journey. Um, yeah. And I think that's a really fascinating way to to do it, especially in a franchise. You know? Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't tell you any of the other people on that damn ship. 
<laughs> I no. couldn't couldn't name a single motherfucker on that shit. Mm-mm. The only, with the exception of the of the of the weird alien. Other than that, <laughs> I'm like I walked, but like D Space Nine, I could tell you like six, seven, eight. They're characters. ensemble. They're ensemble pieces. Yeah. Like all yeah. the almost all those. Yeah, we have like a. It's it's all rank structured in these old these old Star Trek shows. But this one is like this is about Michael Burnham. This is about Michael Burnham's relationship with a mentor right now mm-hmm. and then um and also like there's another part where you mentioned the weird alien saru who ends up being really 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 interesting and important later on he becomes one of my favorite characters in star trek but anyway uh their relationship in that and their mm-hmm. dynamic between the three of them is really really interesting too so once they get back on the ship we see all these things where philippa Giorgio. Once, once Saru, the the uh, technology science officer, I mean, science officer has to start doing his job. The captain starts looking at Michael Burnham, like, go in there and look, you know, you might need your help. You know what I mean? Like, go in there and, and help him out because he might need your help. So you get this immediate, they have this little tiff between them, too. Yeah. Those two characters yeah. throughout the season, uh, throughout that, yeah. that particular episode. Yeah. Well, you also, you also mentioned the three and what... The thing about Star Trek, what Star Trek has always have has been, and I think the reason why it's lasted so many different iterations, is that Star Trek is essentially about a series of different people having different philosophies, and those philosophies coming into conflict. Mm-hmm. And usually, what what it is, it's like Starfleet's philosophy against whatever alien philosophy. Mm-hmm. But because this, because they chose to. In and and which I did not know that it was possible. They chose to like take such an expansive world of Star Trek and then narrow it down almost to like you said, like a like a very almost like West Wing esque mm-hmm. like kind of workplace drama. You know, then you take you still have to do that kind of philosophy thing. So what you do is you take that philosophy thing and you just put it into characters. Mm-hmm. So you have Philippa has a different philosophy, Michael has a different philosophy, and Saru has a different philosophy, and the three of them because they they juggled the leadership are are in constant conflict with each other because their philosophies are in constant conflict. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and Philippa says it from the beginning, talking about Saru, like she was like, uh, she made, she was like Saru's Kelpie. And of course he's scared. So yeah. it's like, because, and that's kind of a racist way of looking at things. <laughs> but, There's a lot of racism in Star Trek. Granted it's racism towards like green aliens. However, like, for for a series that we have always right. equated to be like so like, like the paragon you know, of wokeness and, <laughs> yeah, and, um, yeah. Progressivism. progressive and diverse people be saying some like outlandish shit yeah and <laughs> I, I don't want to like speaking out of the side of their mouth yeah like man man fuck these Klingons yo you know how they always trying to kill shit like what they yeah. could a Klingon want to like garden Mm -hmm. it's like it's like some of these some of these uh species some of these alien races like have no room to be different than what we've known them to be like klingons vulcans kelpians in this particular episode and then but the great thing i think somebody somebody in that writer's room figured something out so if you do i encourage everybody to watch this continue watching this because you find out that the kelpians have have other other things to to learn you know what i mean about nice. themselves which is fucking awesome it's so great so if you do get some time please watch it um but no i just find it to be interesting you're right like star trek is supposed to be this paragon of progressivism <laughs> and and the captain not in front of saru saying yeah he's kelpian of course he's freaking scared of everything you know what i mean like anyway 
So yeah, she, uh, says, she says it in my back. <laughs> yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, wouldn't you be mad if you heard somebody like your boss was talking junk about you? <laughs> to, <laughs> Not to, about you, but about your whole damn species. Yeah, about your whole species. <laughs> but the thing is, is is that they're right. I, that's that's the thing about Star Trek is that they're right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the Vulcans are devoid of emotion, and so if someone's like you cold ass Vulcan, they're like, thank you. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> it's it's less stereotypes. It's it's less. In a weird way, it's less nuanced in that world than it is mm-hmm. in ours. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. In a strange way? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. The humans, and, and what's the funny thing about Star Trek is that the humans are allowed to be, uh, is allowed the diversity of expression. And, mm-hmm. and what ends up being very home, and what ends up, what the humans end up, are what end up being in constant conflict is the homogeneity of the aliens. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's what makes humans so exceptional in the Star Trek world is that we are is that we are so diverse in our abilities and our and our philosophies and our and our selves, and constantly the aliens are constantly in awe of the humans and their diversity, and our diversity ends up being the thing that helps us like win oftentimes within Star Trek world because we do things that aren't that people don't necessarily know. That that become as a surprise. Yeah, you know? yeah. You'll in, and like you, you see it in in this pilot as well. When you're when you're looking at Michael Burnham, it's her emotions that is her greatest strength and her greatest weakness. And in a lot of ways, her story mirrors. And this is obviously done on purpose, but it mirrors the most important character in Star Trek, arguably. But I'd say Spock. You know, Spock mm. is Spock is multi. He's multiracial. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's half and half. Mm. Uh, but Michael Burnham is fully human and just was trained under and adopted by Vulcans. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. carry a very similar, um, similar character traits in that in that way. Yeah. And you can see, like what's so great about her as a character is the fact that like you can see that conflict the 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 actress who's playing her does such an amazing job because you can see that conflict happening like michael is so impulsive and hot-headed and just and loves adventure and is constantly like and gets angry like hot but then you can see her trying to be very vulcan about shit and all that does is just make her more frustrated <laughs> i know yeah it's like the you more know? she tries to the more she tries to put on that vulcan front of like logic the more annoyed she gets with herself and like yeah. the the fact that like logic doesn't always work, you know what I mean? It doesn't work. It's it's like the lies that we tell ourselves. The lies are the same thing for our characters. Our characters are constantly lying to themselves, and they're and they're also in constant conflict with how they're raised and how they're trained and what their true self is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like we can allow ourselves, even in like especially in genre, we can allow ourselves, our characters, to have these very human kind of qualities because all of us understand that all of us understand like what the conflict is between like how you're taught versus what you actually what your impulses are telling you to do and that then therein lies the friction and therein lies where the emotion comes from absolutely all right so with that let's get into our elevator pitch i i have cobbled together one um so i will go ahead and deliver it it's uh it's uh, it's a Frankenstein of different things, but we'll, we'll go ahead and riff it out. All right. All right, who's the C- who's the CEO of Paramount Plus? Yeah, I was, well, I don't know about you know what? I will go with Gene Rod- Roddenberry. Let, let, let's 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 okay, let you Gene be Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, let's let you be Gene Roddenberry. 
All okay. right. And I'll yep. be Alex Kurtzman <laughs> or Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman. I guess. Alex, I guess hello, so. young young black man. Welcome to my elevator. <laughs> Why does I don't he know sound like an old white version of Yoda? What? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I imagined Jay Roddenberry to be. He's an old white Yoda. Old white Yoda. <laughs> All right. No disrespect. Also, no. Hire. He's a he's a G. He's a genius. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Shouts out to Jay Roddenberry. <laughs> yeah, hire me, please. Anyway. All right. <laughs> All right, so Gene, I, I have this I have this TV show for you. What I want to mm-hmm. do here, this is what I want to do. I want to I want to completely reboot Star Trek. I want to bring it to the new generation, but not like the te- not like the the movies. The movies were great. Okay. I, I enjoyed the movies, but I think we need a series, okay? We need a big budget. I'm just going to tell you right now. We need a big budget for this one. But the story is awesome. We're we're going to come 10 years before the original series and we're going to bring in a brand new character it's a black woman her name is michael burnham she's a human Ooh. right you're right you like that i know you like that i know <laughs> I, 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 I put a i put a black woman named aurora in space for the in first space time. it had her dance of fan dance it worked really well <laughs> it did work well yes it did all right so yeah what we're gonna do we're gonna bring another black woman in here but we're gonna we're gonna elevate her but we're gonna we're not gonna start her as a captain we're gonna start her as a commander and we're gonna watch her journey as she gets to the place where she becomes a captain she experienced some, some trauma some ptsd from her experiences uh with the klingons and killed her parents and then got adopted by vulcans so she kind of lives in both worlds she and then in fact she is the uh, adopted sister of guess guess who i'm about to say you already know i'm about to say spock is it spock 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 all right so we're gonna follow her journey we're gonna follow her journey as she becomes the first uh black female captain in star trek history and it's gonna be awesome what you think i i I love i love that idea i i'm i'm gonna give you uh i'm gonna give you thirty thousand credits do they use credits? What, oh. they use? <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, what's it? What's it called? Oh god, I can't remember the. What la- did the Latinum? use? Latinum. Latinum. Um, yeah, Latinum. Uh, Latinum. Something. Give you thirty thousand Latinum. Something. Something. Lapped it. Latinum. Something. Anyway, <laughs> Star Trek fans are just like, I know what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so like, sorry. Gold press. Sh- gold press. Latinum. Okay, you happy? Gold press latinum. I remember. Gold that. press latinum. I can see, I can see Quark with his, like gold press latinum with his because his tongue would always come out when he'd say it. Oh, community cool. leader. Okay. <laughs> All right. But yeah, that's that's my three minute elevator pitch. I don't know if it was three minutes, but we got there. All right, we did. We got there. Uh, we got there. Yeah. Great. Yeah. What's up? So uh, let's. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Chief Science Officer Suru. How was how yes. was Suru introduced? We got we we touched on it a little bit, but yeah, like I love Suru. Suru, he's he's um played by this guy named Doug Jones, uh, who I believe has done a lot of character work in that same vein. I believe he was in uh, The Shape of Water, if I'm not mistaken. Is he the is he the, the alien uh, the, the the monster? The, yeah, the monster. I believe so. Yeah, y'all did. Did you ever see that movie? I did. I did. It's a it's a strange. Movie. I do not like that movie. <laughs> I do not like that movie. That movie. But he does a too, great job. He does a fantastic job. It I just a, yeah. I just don't like it. It's so weird. It's just not for me. 
Ugh. It's not for me. I don't You're not into fish sex? I'm not into that. It's just something about <laughs> that one is just too weird. And at the... I could go anyway. So Doug Jones plays <laughs> the Kelpian of Saru, and Saru is a great character because Saru, um, he he's basically so it, you know in the rank structure you got the captain, you got the first officer, and then you got the science officer. Usually that's kind of mm-hmm. like the top three, right? So so Michael Burnham and Saru have to work together. They're like coworkers, and they have like a love hate relationship because their their philosophies, like you said, are so so opposed, right? Yeah. And and then you have this other dynamic where the captain loves the first officer so much, like she mm-hmm. loves Michael Burnham, right? Mm-hmm. And she trusts Michael Burnham because she knows Michael Burnham is so fucking smart and like mm-hmm. and always makes the right decision, and she's almost always right. So she she kind of like pushes Michael Burnham to even like almost undermine Saru, and Saru does not like that, <laughs> right? Know? Right, Saru is like the butt of the joke. Saru is the, Saru is the guy in, in your office that you're like that everybody talks about behind their back, <laughs> but on their birthday you all are gonna buy that dude a cake. Oh yeah, and you're gonna write something nice in his card for sure. You're gonna write something nice in his card. You're he's, gonna talk. He's good at his job. Yeah, but you don't like his personality. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not. You're not inviting him to happy hour. He's not the if guy he you shows hang up, out with. No, you're not gonna. Yeah, you don't want to hang out with him. No, no, no. He's not the guy you want to hang out with. And if he comes around, you might just feel like, God damn it! No. <laughs> I talked to him. <laughs> kind of messed up. I love Saruda. But anyway, <laughs> that's how you guys. Kind of, also, yeah, yeah. He also like. He, I mean, like the, some of that stuff he can't control. You know, mm-hmm. he's got that. He's got that great speech where he's like. You know your your species comes from a food chain. Our species is is binary. Some of us are prey. Some of us are predators. I was bred to be prey, um, and which is then shapes everything that he he then does and and how he interacts with everything. I mean, like it's basically if if a cow became a, a living talking. And not not li- it is living, but a talking thing. You yeah, know? but that's the beautiful thing about his character is that like. And that's that's the uh, that's it's a groundbreaking thing about this character, Saru. Is like, when have you ever looked at a character who has the knowledge of the fact that his species was bred mm-hmm. to be cattle, essentially, mm-hmm. legitimately? Mm-hmm. And what the, what would it do if you decided that you weren't going to be that and you were going to go to Starfleet? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, what does that mean for you? That's why, that's why, I mean, it's like that particular character connects, not to say that black people were bred to be cattle, but there's, there's, there's a similarity in the American, African-American dynamic there and the history of African-Americans where we, we rise above and we find ourselves with with our own ambition, you know, placing ourselves in these different positions. Um, And so Saru connects to me in that way where he has the knowledge of his past, but he has the ambition of a person who knows that there's a better future for him, which right. I just love about that character. I also see him kind of being a Jiminy Cricket kind of character <laughs> for Burnham as we move forward. <laughs> and I don't mean that I, as a joke, I, I, but I always want to say this a lot, Joe. Would you just demolish everything I just said about this? No, no, I didn't a mean Jiminy it as a joke. Credit? Cricket? Yeah, like his conscious. He's like a magic, conscious. Jiminy Cricket's a magical Negro. Jiminy Crick is not an imagine. I didn't. He's one hundred percent a magical Negro. No, no, don't do this to me. I'm just I've telling said, you, I've he said is. So I didn't. I am not saying 
that Saru is a magical Negro. I am saying that Saru will act as the conscience of Burnham as when okay. Burnham decides to do outlandish shit, just like Jimmy Cricket. Don't don't do this to me. Okay, I won't go into the nuances of Jimmy Cricket. I'll go into what he was meant to, what his character was meant to achieve for the protagonist. I I, yes. I give you that. I give you that. And 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 I did but not. After know I just. The, <laughs> After I, I just, did not know that Jiminy Cricket was a magical Negro. I though dead ass like I wrote that down like, and I was like real proud of myself too. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like Jiminy Cricket, and then you're like, nah, nigga, that's a racial trope. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of is. Jiminy oh, Cricket. God. Jiminy, when you first see Jiminy Cricket, his his all his shit is all fucked up. His hat is all messed up. He has patches yeah. in his clothes, and then the white lady comes around and endows him with the magical ability to shepherd this white little boy to to realness. <laughs> I'm just saying. And Saru is doing that just with a black woman. That's oh, the my difference. Lord. <laughs> you, you might open up my eyes. I'm I'm over here loving Saru and then you just mess me up. Mess me well, up. I haven't I, and I haven't watched the rest of the show, so I don't know. I I've also just seen one shot of the the fact that like Saru and and Burnham have a will they won't they, which was not present in the pilot. Um, a will so, they won't they? I mean, a will they? Oh my just lord, Jesus! <laughs> Hell nah, please no. Don't uh, they? No, don't they hook up? do they? I can't remember. I now well, I can't I just, remember. Now I just asked you this. When we were talking no, about it, no, I thought it you were talking about somebody else. I thought because I thought nah, you, had, I thought you had looked up. I thought you had looked up something else for real. Because what it is, you know, you know what the will they want they is. Believe it or not, uh-huh. you know the the um the white Klingon. Yeah, that's that's that that becomes her love interest. Uh, that's what I thought I you were you. talking about. Oh, he's actually the next person we should talk about because I was like, oh, he must be important. Yeah, Volk. for sure, Volk. Volk, Volk, yes. Yes. Yeah. He he actually they end up hooking up. Yes. That's uh, what I thought you were talking about. I see. My bad. My bad. I see. Yes. I saw the wrong screenshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Song. All right. That's a good transition to nah. Vogue. Oh yeah, for sure. Vogue. I love Vogue too. I love Vogue. Vogue scene. Well, Vogue. I mean, I was watching when I was watching. I was watching a bunch of Klingons, and the Klingons were like, "We gonna fuck up some shit," and all of a sudden, like this white Klingon shows up, and he's like, "I ain't got no house." I ain't got no father. Uh, none of you other Klingons want to do, want to like go out there and like, you know, light the beacon, but I'll do it. And I'm like, okay, this dude, he's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You knew Volk was going to be important. One, because he had a weird white face. Okay. And it was kind of <laughs> strange that he, he was like the singular white face out of a sea of darkness. You know what I mean? He walks up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yo, 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 and I know we try. I know we, we because both me and Colin are trying to get into the the industry. So both me and Colin are really trying to be really, really like, like, you know, like respectful, respectful, and yeah. and and you know, trying critiques. to be. Yeah, I, we, we want to be. We want to be. We want to be. Yes. However, it was a little sus in a sea of black faces. Mm-hmm. The one white face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That pops up, and then the and then the black the black Klingon looks at him and goes, <laughs> and goes he goes, goes he goes I have a dream today. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he goes he goes he goes. You know, most of us look at your skin with suspicion. I was like, 
Yeah. Damn. So I see a mirror. <laughs> it was a very white black togetherness move by Star Trek that I I liked in one respect and I hated on an in another on another level. Yeah. I I mean I I get it. I get it. He's he's supposed to be different. He's supposed to be like, different, yeah. And if they make and if they're going to if they're going to if they're going to make the if they're going to make the Klingons just like Black is black midnight. Is, black I, is midnight. <laughs> midnight blue. Then, like, I guess the one Klingon that's gonna be different has got to be just like, you know, it's gotta look white. like Joe. Yeah, gotta look like Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> For real. But you know, now that you're saying that, it makes me think like he could have gone like he could have made him light skinned. I'm sorry to say that like that. I'm from North Carolina. But you could have yeah, made him light skin. Or you could have made him have like him stripes. Stripes or splotches <laughs> or, you know, something cool. You know what I mean? Like a cool, like, you know what I mean? Something different. Yeah, something, you know. Or you could have made him green. Yeah, something. You could have <laughs> been anything. He didn't have to be he white. He could have been anything. <laughs> For real. He well, technically, been technically, I think he's not white. He's like silver. So, like. He's like technically silver. He's silver. <laughs> Look, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, bro. I'm trying to get <laughs> But I'm though you're right though. It was very like it was it was not I wanna I wanna say off putting, but it was definitely like jarring to see that. It was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then he's gonna be the, the the torch bearer and the standard bearer. So you know he's gonna mm-hmm. be important and you kinda see again, like they've given the Klingons in this iteration of them so much like heft and reverence and gravitas yeah. that you yeah. you respect you respect everything that they're saying and everything they're, they're trying to go about doing, yeah. which is also a really cool and interesting thing and, and dynamic there too. So it's like you, you, you kind of feel for them. You want them to win in a weird way. Yeah. And also like, I mean, what, what, what are the Klingons trying to do? The Klingons, these Klingons are trying to unite all the tribes of Klingons back into an empire. Cause mm-hmm. they've essentially gotten scattered after they've lost the war. Well, Volk, what's interesting. The thing about him is actually he has no house. He has no lineage. He has no connection to being nobility. And that's what he wants. That's what he's pursuing. And so that puts him in direct uh, uh, both conflict, but also in line with what these, with what the major thrust of the Klingon uh, army is doing. And all of a sudden, like you realize like, oh, this week in another iteration of the show, this could have been the Volk show. Mm -hmm. This could have been a show about a down and out, you know what I mean? Like hero that come that is rises up from the ranks of like obscurity into and becomes this grand, you know, emperor of the people or something, mm-hmm. you know, which is like, the, it's just very, it's, we were making fun of him, but it's, it's fair. It's very it's epic. It's, actually, it's epic. And it, and it's compelling. It gives that character a very compelling. Art. And it has a beautiful cross to the, to the a story. And I know we're not there yet all on the a B's and C's, but like mm-hmm. it has a beautiful cross in that way. And I know we have some point of contention when it comes to the ABC stories, but we'll get there. Um, yeah. I will share before we get there. I'll share my log line real quick. And yep. uh, for those, again, sometimes we, every once in a while on the episode one show, we kind of remind you again, what, we're doing here and this is this is a show about me and elijah trying to learn how to become better screenwriters and one thing that you're gonna have to do if you want to become a better screenwriter is and and kind of like understand the industry a little bit better is learn how to write a log line yeah and your log line is like the short synopsis of your series really and what we do as an exercise here on the episode one show is we write log lines for the episodes that we cover uh, today I'm gonna share mine, and I'll have you, Elijah, tell me what you think about it. All right. Gotcha. All right, here we go. 
when a routine communication relay uncovers a mysterious object. First officer Michael Burnham makes contact inadvertently encountering a newly unified and hostile Klingon faction. Nice. I like that. What, yeah. What, well, how like how do you want me to, to improve that? What What are you seeing? What are you hearing? Uh, well, the only thing that I would shift is that the, it's not the relay that that discovers the object. It's them fixing the relay. But mm-hmm. the thing is, like, you don't what you don't want to do with your with your log line, which Connor's done really great, is that you don't want to get your call. You don't want to get burdened down too much and make your log line too wordy. It needs to be concise and needs to be tight and compact. And um, so my question is like, do you even need the the conversation about the communication relay? Because it's almost like it's almost it could have been anything. It could have mm-hmm. been a communications relay. It could have been them just like, hey, we happen to be by this binary system of stars. It's like mm-hmm. it's it just kind of gets them there. And it's not. Is it really that important to the pilot? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, I like that. Um so yeah, the the thing, yeah, with the log lines, for me, for that one, it was just like trying to figure out how can I make it seem like it's small, but then a big thing happens. Right. And and so like the, I guess the, the phrase or the, the term of routine, like you said, could have been anything, a routine runabout, walkabout, whatever it is, mm-hmm, um, it could mm-hmm. be anything. But ultimately it, it uncovers something that changes the dynamic of, of what's going to happen right. for the show. Right. And that's what you kind of want. That's what I wanted to try to to, to put in there. Um, right. Well, but it's also really great about the, the word routine is the fact that like uh, this star, this ship isn't the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we're not, we're, we're not, these aren't, these aren't the top tier. Like these are this this these these are the rank and file mm-hmm. that we're dealing with, and that's also what makes this show actually particularly um, different and interesting. Is like every other Star Trek show up until this point have all done has all dealt with pretty much the exceptional amongst the exceptional. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. like D Space Nine becomes the most important uh, uh, quadrant in in space. Uh, the Enterprise is the Enterprise. It is constantly running into literal gods. <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. floating through space. You know what I mean? Voyager gets sent through like a wormhole into some place that they've never explored before. And so everything Voyager's seeing, no one's ever seen before. Mm-hmm. But these folks that are on this ship are literally just the rank and file Starfleet. They're doing the things that usually Starfleet does. They have their little missions and they go to like save some insect things and get them some water (laughs) give some roaches some water you know they go fix a a communication relay in some backward water place and then all of a sudden they be they suddenly become thrust into you know world war three you know what i mean and they're and the thing about them they've never seen combat that Mm -hmm. was also what's really interesting about them it's like they they've only seen simulations they have never seen combat Mm -hmm. so everything about these people are out of their depth from the moment that the pilot starts. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And that's the thing. That's the thing when you're dealing with the franchise, that's the thing when you're talking about a pilot, <laughs> like we, we've done this before with deep space nine, but it's so difficult when you're doing franchise stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because there's so, there's so much that you can bring to it and talk about uh, and that you have to kind of understand. But when I look at this show and I look at this pilot, I look at, like you said, like 
it's these three characters that are the most important, but they have a very, very specific tier ranking system when it comes to their importance. You have Michael Burnham being the most important, obviously. Then you have Philippa. At least we we think she's going to be the second most important. Then we have Saru. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and like I said, the difference between this one and the others is that we're focusing on one particular character in their journey. And right. we're not doing it in ensemble piece. So it's really important. So these these uh one thing that happens when Michael Burnham she goes and she she shows a little bit about about her character and this is another thing. It's like how do we find ways to when we're writing these characters, like how important is it for us to find out who these characters are, what drives them, what's their motivations, what do they want? So I'm gonna ask you this. With mm. Michael Burnham, what do you think that she wants? What is this pilot telling you that she wants? You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good question. It's kind of out uh, there. I know we don't usually do this, but just- no. But I think we need to. I think we should add this to our our list of things within our the format of our show that we mm. tend to never follow. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, what does Mike? What does Michael Burnham want? Yeah, I mean, you know, you it, know. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like. Secretly, what is driving Michael Burnham based on this pilot is, I think, revenge. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, because initially, like, Michael Burnham gets that opportunity by by Captain Philippa to be like, hey, you, you're going to get captain. And she got, she's so excited. So you're like, okay, well, maybe she's like, she wants to become captain. But then, like, the 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 disdain she has for the klingons the fact that she immediately goes to violence when the klingons show up as her first impulse like she is she's constantly like it, it feels like the the trauma that she's experienced as a child it's constantly trying to drive her forward in terms of like even her thrill seeking seems like it's it's in an effort to like escape that trauma mm, and yeah. so it it my thing is like, and that's the thing that would, which will make her so much different from any other captain is like any other captain is, is, is all, all the captains in Star Trek all have some sort of like weakness that they're all trying to like rush against. You know what I mean? Like we talked that, we talked about that a little bit with, with, um, uh, Captain, um, Cisco, Captain Cisco. Cisco. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit with Captain Cisco, and with uh, with her, it's like it feels like her thing is like revenge, and revenge is the thing that's going to like keep her from to getting the goals that she actually says that she wants. Like you said, there's always a state. That, like we know from doing this and and reading these scripts and watching these shows enough, we know there's always a stated want, and then there's a real want. And a lot of times mm-hmm. those are in, two, in, in conflict. But there's also, because this is a franchise, we, there's a an expectation of a want that the audience feels, right? So when right. she gets that that uh, that offer, if you want to call it that, from Philippa, when she's like, we should talk about your command, and she's like, I'm so grateful, your expectation as an audience member is, okay, this is the show we're going to watch. We're watching a show about right. her becoming captain. This is great. First black woman captain. Awesome. Right. And then we find out that everything 
like her real motivations and some of the, that trauma that she's experiences are going to literally stop her from doing that. You know, mm-hmm. those are the things that are going to stop her from doing that because she's because she is so she's so much dealing with that trauma and that PTSD from her experiences in her past. She's going to her behavior is going to cause her to get in so much trouble that. Yes. At the end of this pilot, we can't even imagine her becoming captain. No, because of what no. she does. Because like, look, there are there are a lot of ways in which you can get a promotion. Uh, Vulcan death gripping your your boss <laughs> yeah, is not that. Probably not gonna happen. <laughs> no, exactly, and that's no. what's beautiful about it. Because once she, I'm not gonna lie, so once she does that, it, it uh, I it, I felt the same thing I did when I first watched it. But th- when I watched it this time again, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, yeah, and yeah. it was such a great feeling because you're like. This show could go any, like, it could go anywhere. You knew, once she did that, it was almost like. Game of Thrones beheading of your Mm -hmm. main character because you just Mm -hmm. knew. And there it is. I got it in this time. I got it in, not you. You got it in, yeah. (laughs) I didn't even mean to. But but it was like that, you know, like anybody can go. That's how I felt in that moment. And that was something completely different from this franchise, too. When she did that, it was like, oh, shit, anything can happen in this franchise, in in this new reboot, basically. Yeah. And not to, uh, I mean, and not to beat the the Game of Thrones horse, the dead Game of Thrones horse, (laughs) too, but like, that's the thing about the post Game of Thrones world that we live in is the fact that, like, you. There, then there lies consequences, right? So she does that. She she Vulcan death grips her her boss, right? And the our expectation is like, okay, she's gonna her plan is gonna she like if we watch Star Trek, because what they're doing is is classic Star Trek. She's like, we got to do this. Everyone's like, that's against policy. That's against the Prime Directive. That's against this, that, and the third. We shouldn't do that. The captain goes rogue and does it, and then all of a sudden the thing gets fixed. Well, Captain goes rogue, tries to do it. Everyone's like, nah, that's a bad idea. Then the real captain shows up and sticks a phaser in her face and says, like, step the fuck down. Yeah. And everything you understand about this being a uh, an uh, episodic show is thrown out yes. the window. Thrown out the window. Because all of a sudden, like, she puts the phaser in her face and says, step the fuck down. And right at that moment then the what the Klingons were doing this whole entire time works and all of a sudden we see right before the show fucking shuts off an entire army of goddamn Klingon warbirds. And then the <laughs> then the answer to the question was Michael right? The answer is yes. As yes. always. She's yes, right. She's well, right. We don't she, know. But well, we it don't know. It feels like she's right. If right yes. now in this moment at the very end it feels like she's right but also it's like it's a beautiful thing that you can do in story is like you're right but at what cost you yes. know what i mean what does being yes. right really really mean at the end of uh, at the end of the yes. day were we really going to get into this war if you hadn't done it at the end of, right. you know you know the the accidental killing of this klingon uh guarding this this beacon yeah is the yeah. thing that really thrusts this thing into where we're where we're at so what does have happened right. anyway yeah well that's the question it's like so who you know who sabotaged the communication relay and was it actually in an effort to like jumpstart a massive galactic war yeah you know what i mean i think it was the klingons that did that shit the klingons who did that shit but like did they really want their their homie to get killed like you know so that's it's it's like 
the this show is dealing with like and that's the, and that's the way when we look at history history works the same way it's like it's these little tiny things that happen between small people that then jumpstart major gl- global world events mm-hmm. like if that motherfucker france ferdinand wasn't shot you know right. what i mean yeah. and don't cancel me it's been years since them since he died <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's what we were taught in school that that's, that, exactly. was, that was the shot Heard around the you world. know that was the shot like if he wasn't shot would world war one have happened i don't know is it if, if this random klingon wasn't stabbed in the chest by a uh an adventure adventure adrenaline junkin junkin <laughs> who happened to be got who happened to be killed her parents happened to be killed by Klingons. by Klingons, and we haven't so seen y'all in 100 years also so many and things had seen, to happen <laughs> yeah and so she low-key like you know little racist <laughs> and then the question is this did she do it on purpose i know she was attacked but did oh, she, yeah, she did she purpose. did she kill him on pur- purpose hell yeah she did it on purpose it was, it was self-defense just, just okay. saying it was yeah, though bla- she, she got okay, ambushed Ms. she got ambushed. Mr. black man mr black man self-defense we're gonna use that she got ambushed she was (laughs) she was gonna get killed if she didn't if she didn't attack him after he attacked her i'm just saying we don't know if he got ambushed dude just dude just show she on his shit she showed up on his shit and all he did is pull out his like he did what he was supposed to do yeah he did what he was literally he's been waiting for somebody to step on that motherfucker (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's been waiting his whole life for somebody to, to bring their ass over there so he could fuck him up that's really what he's been waiting for i know every that's day his job. Every, day he, every day he probably got on that beacon was like i wish a motherfucker would I, today i wish a motherfucker would <laughs> literally get literally. on this beacon i wish you i wish they would fly in a suit and land he, on this beacon yeah. He thought about forty-five different ways, and just this one was just one of the forty-five ways. He was like, he already predicted. He was like, you know what? I bet you somebody gonna come in on the motherfucking like suit. You know what I mean? And they got because he's talking to himself. He's by himself. Who else? Because he's by scroll, himself. He's scrolling Instagram, and he's waiting for yeah, Michael scroll, Burnham scroll, to show up. So looking at uh, look at that Klingons twerking. <laughs> 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 why did you have to take it there <laughs> or like or like okay okay or like you know how like the Vulcans get like super when, whenever they're like uh, whenever it's time for them to mate they get super like aggressive and shit what, what they what like that's just that's just his that's just his only fans. It's like it's, it's, it's like Vulcans oh and God, this is taking a, <laughs> this is taking a turn that I was not expecting. I thought this was a screenwriting podcast. What the hell? Oh my God! You know what? This might be a good time to take a break. Yeah, that's a good time to take and a break. Come back with more the episode one show covering Star Trek Discovery. And we're back with more of the episode one show. Thanks for listening to this episode as we cover one of my favorite shows, Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Cue the Star Trek music. If um, we can afford it. How's it, <laughs> how's it go? There's like multiple. I have a story about, I probably, I think I told this one on the, the Deep Space Nine episode, but I listened, I, I watched a bunch of Star Trek when I was deployed and mm-hmm. it was like made me feel like home and so i remember and i hadn't watched it in so many years and i was like oh i found it on netflix or wherever it was maybe it was amazon and i watched i put on uh, voyager and when that theme song came on i literally just dropped a tear <laughs> i 
I dropped a yeah, Denzel, Denzel Washington, Washington glory, glory tear. tear. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, and it, it felt so good. I was like, yes, this is all I wanted. Yeah. I mean, low key, low key. When the when those first three notes hit with this one, uh, I I got chills. I I I got chills because it's like it's like it's so iconic. Mm-hmm. It's so iconic. I, I'm getting chills right now just Me thinking too. about those like Me first too. three notes. Yeah. No, it's awesome, man. Like Star Trek is just amazing, and I what I love really? about Star Trek, and if I could just take a couple minutes, I just love the way it connects with black people. I just love oh, the way yeah. it connects with black people, and and I love finding a black Trekkie to talk about the show with. This is my favorite <laughs> thing. It's like it's like we become family. Like, I just love it. I, it's just my yeah, favorite thing. We're gonna do it like an offshoot podcast, black Trekkie podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah, I, I I would be. I would love to produce a, a Black Trekkie podcast, even though I know there's like a hundred of them out there. There's probably billions. Yeah, this just because just I just love it so much, and it'd be great to connect with y'all. Anyway, uh, but yeah, go, getting back to the episode one show, we're covering Star Trek Voyager, the reboot, the 2018 reboot of the storied franchise uh, in sci-fi. What a great pilot. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to go ahead and say I thought it was a Really good pilot. I'm not going to say mm-hmm. super great or groundbreaking, but I'll say it's a good to great pilot. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> say, yeah. For me, it's, it's, it's decent to good. And um, I think what's, I think my reasoning is when we get into the ABCs. Sure. Right, let's, let's go yeah. ahead and get into it because I know we have a little contention mm-hmm. there. I'll let you go ahead and share what you got. And well, my, my whole thing is like there's really only one. I just think there's an A. Okay. And, and that A is is in line with what we just talked about. Um, you know, upon investigating a broken communication relay, the crew of the Star Trek Shinjo discover a mysterious object, which then puts them in direct conflict with the Klingons. Mm-hmm. You know, seeking to rebuild their own empire. Like that, I think is I couldn't. Everything else that was happening was essentially happening in and around that plot point. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I would contend that those were two separate stories and i will read mine out and then we can kind of talk about it a little bit so my right. a story i said after a violent encounter with a klingon on a sacred beacon michael relentlessly urges her crew to perform an act that may spark war uh then the b i said was a newly unified klingon house makes Volk the new torchbearer uh-huh. okay so why did you separate those into two because and also let yes. let me just say that your your A is dope. I like that. I liked your A a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. No, I mean I, I separated those two because like I wanted to focus on well one one is about like kind of like screen time, like separate screen time. Like when you're writing a mm-hmm. script, those all those scenes that happen on that <clears throat> excuse me on that uh, that Klingon ship are completely separate you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're not they even the uh, even the cold open the cold open chronologically happens at the the center of the episode when they they're talking about lighting the beacon this day remember so like oh at, right, right, right 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 so that cold open even is is completely separate so i honestly there was one one was the signal of the cold open and then the opening between michael burnham and, jo- and philippa Giorgio, them being in completely two separate areas and then mm-hmm. them launching into two completely different stories in my mind but really it was like everything about the uh the, everything that was happening with the klingons was its own separate entity they they were 
in reaction to at times things that are happening on on the uh Vo- voyager sorry uh, on the discovery <laughs> <laughs> on the discovery but they were uh they were they were handling their own specific and and separate story so the story mm-hmm. to me of the klingons was this this there we are unifying there was one really really charismatic klingon who was kind of like <laughs> guiding everything that's happening and then that that guy was he was one he was trying to convince everybody to come together and then he yeah. was and then he was saying we got to light this beacon if, if we if if something does happen we got to have somebody to be able to light this beacon something of course happens and then we need somebody to come and he dies and we have to have somebody to come in and, and fill that role so to me that's a whole separate complete story it does cross the a but it is a complete separate story uh i see i see that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense yeah that's I how like I, it a lot that's how I look at it. Um, <clears throat> but, and I think it's uh, like, it's, I love that there's only two as well. Cause, and, yeah. and, and it made me think like, Very you, tight. you made a great point when you're talking about the different characters, like all the different characters that, that Star Trek usually introduces in these. Mm-hmm. And this being like a really like a character study about Michael Burnham. Mm-hmm. It just showed me how, again, like I'm trying to learn when I'm writing, how to be patient with my story, with my plot. Mm-hmm. How to be patient with my plot. How much do I want to unfold in this pilot, in this 45 to 55 right. page script? And it's teaching me that you don't have to, and I say this a lot, but it's teaching me that you do not have to lay out so much of these awesome ideas that you have. You can be really, yep. really patient and find a really yep. compelling character driving uh, portion of your plot that you have in your mind and make that be your pilot. Right, right. Well, and also, like, this, the purpose of a pilot is to basically sell your show to an audience. The The lucky thing about Star Trek is that Star Trek has a built-in audience. Mm-hmm. So, And what's also really great about Star Trek is that Star Trek has never, ever... No, 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 that's, that's, that's not true, never, ever. But for the most part, Star Trek has never really tried to, like, be a four-quadrant show. Like, Star Trek has never been like, let me also appeal to the casuals as well as the Trekkies. Mm-hmm. Star Trek has always been like, I gotta appeal to the fucking Trekkies. Because they're the ones that are gonna show up every Thursday mm-hmm. and watch this damn show, you know? And so, what Star Trek Discovery is trying to do is it's trying to get the Trekkies onto, on board, pun not intended, this, like... This new, goddamn it! I, I keep doing these shit puns. This ship <laughs> that is going in a very different direction than what usually happens with Star Trek. You know, usually it's about exploring strange new worlds. You know, seeking out new civilizations. The bully where no man has gone before. And this one is actually about uh, a woman who's on the edge of a galactic war. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, with the exception of like deep into Deep Space Nine seasons. We haven't really gotten into like full on this is wartime Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's always happened. It's either war is coming and then there's a movie or we just got out of war mm-hmm. or war was way, way back when mm-hmm. and we're flying away from it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That's right. You know, right. so it's so what's really what's interesting about this pilot is the fact that like it doesn't need to sell us on the world of or the idea of Star Trek. What it has to sell us on is they have to sell us on Michael as a character. Yeah, exactly. And and I think they did a great job of that too. Oh yeah, it was, absolutely. 
you know, and, and again, like they do, it's it's a bold choice to to do it that way. Not do an episodic Star Trek. Do a, yeah, uh, you know, do something a little different there. Do a character study, but all well, they had, to, yeah, they kind of had to because we're like we're in the world of streaming, and and you know, it'd be interesting to see because I think I haven't watched Brave New World yet, but I think Brave New World is back to being very much an episodic. It is, yeah, and and. Uh, and so it was interesting, like, and uh, and Picard was serialized, right? Like it was. Picard was very serialized. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they were they were trying, <laughs> they were trying to get that Game of Thrones money, that Game of Thrones crowd, and like, and and it's interesting to see them go back to like old school Star Trek with yeah. like, you know, Brave New World and yeah. Lower Decks and oh. you know these other things that they're pumping about. And they're great, by the way, all of them. Strange New Worlds. Lower decks, awesome, both of them. <laughs> both of them. Just saying. I gotta get back on the Star Trek train. It's I, good, I really man. I'm telling yeah. you, it's it's actually it's low key better than it's been. It's low key oh, better. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Anyway, all right. So uh, yeah, we'll get we'll keep on with the segments. Um, I'm excited about. I'm excited for f- to hear yours because I only have huh. one. But uh, I'm excited to get into <laughs> the coldest lines if if we're ready for that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, what you got? What you got for your coldest lines? Okay. Um, all right. So my first coldest line. My first coldest line is: We come in peace. We come in peace. Yeah. So cold. It was. <laughs> it, it's it, the context of it, and the funny thing is, like, it's hard to. It'll be hard to throw up there in um in the edit, but. Uh-huh. Because they're because he's speaking in Klingon, so all you super Star Trek nerds, you might understand what the hell this dude is saying <laughs> up to that point. <laughs> but the context of it is really awesome. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially and especially coming out of a Klingon's mouth, yep. you know, it's just uh, chills. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me just say, bruh, um, them making the ship made out of the corpses oh, of their dead. Yeah. Who, who, who did that? Was that Alex who Kurtzman? Who of that? Huh? Was that Alex Kurtzman? Because uh, uh, he's been driving Alex, the... Yeah. Alex, that shit was dope. Yeah. If you ever listen to this, that is dope. That is such a cold ass You made the Klingons... Whoever did this made the Klingons the coldest species, <laughs> alien species in the Star Trek universe. Like everything Yo, about Borg... That. Borg ain't got shit on them. No. The Dominion ain't got shit on them. Like Romulans ain't got because none of these niggas are putting their debt are making ships out of their dead son. Yeah, a ceremonial <laughs> ship <laughs> with just the dead is <laughs> awesome. That's so awesome. I know it's so. Awesome. It was so cool. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Um. All right. My second one actually comes from the the one Vulcan character that we see. And it's such a fucked up line. He goes, uh, he goes, Maybe I can try to learn Vulcan to be quicker with my answers. Your human tongue is not the problem. It is your human heart. Your human tongue is not the problem. It's your human heart. Yeah, that was cold. Literally. <laughs> cold hearted. Literally cold. And also like, and, and I know we're getting into like super Star Trek nerdy stuff. It's really, really nice that they're, that they're making the aliens so alien. Like the Klingons are so Klingon. The Vulcans are so like cold and detached almost to the point of they're, un, they're not human. 
Like mm-hmm. they're just like they they cannot register human emo- like it's just really 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 ingenious um ways of like looking at these characters that we've been fucking around with for like 65 years. Mm-hmm. It made me think about um, that that was a rant that just to, to get back into superstar uh, uh nerdy Star Trek shit is like it makes me think about like if they're going to have a Michael Burnham when I'm 40, in 40 years, I'm, I'm about to be 40 yeah. soon. I, I didn't mean that. In 40 <laughs> years when my kid is old, when my kid is like mm-hmm. my age, are they, they're going to have like a rebooted Michael Burnham. You know what I mean? Or like mm-hmm. an old Michael Burnham like they did with, with, with Spock. But anyway, just, just I would love to see I that. I hope so. I hope so because that's the cool thing about Star Trek is like great, great franchises, you know, when we're, and we're speaking – as the perspective of of Americans, so we're looking at American franchises in mm-hmm. particular. Great American franchises have the ability to reflect our culture back at us, and that has always been the wonderful thing about Star Trek. Because Star Trek was made in a point in time when we were very, very um, optimistic about the American dream and American expansionism, and then we've watched Star Trek grapple with that idea of american expansion american imperialism and intervention and what that means and we can see the series reflect our own shifting understanding of that so now in this series we're getting war we're getting words like terrorism we're getting like the fact that like uh the prime directive and these things that these things that starfleet has us do actually is probably going to cause things to get worse like it's it's uh, it's why I love genre. It mm-hmm. just it you know it it's, can just ma- it can just say so much about our human condition. Say so much and be so thrilling while they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, this is a yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful medium. I got I got two more. Gotcha. All right, this one's coming from um, our favorite uh, science officer. It says uh, and I said it before. It says uh, your world has food chains. Mine does not. Our species map is binary. We are either predator or prey. My people were hunted, bred, farmed. We are your livestock of old. We were biologically determined for one purpose and one purpose alone, to sense the coming of death. I sense it coming now. Our species, sir, our species was bred to sense to sense de- the coming of death, and I sense it now. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. That 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 gave me chills at the time when I when I watched it for sure. Yeah, cold. And his eyes are like stark blue, and yep. they look terrified. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah. Um, and then my last one, <laughs> once again, from the fucking asshole Vulcan. In light of the fact that they killed your parents, some might think that only fair. However, if a death was necessary, I am satisfied it was not yours. <laughs> if if uh if a death was necessary, I am satisfied it wasn't it yours. It wasn't yours, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. You found so many good ones, man. Yeah, the only one and uh I found one that I just really liked. It was more like a personal philosophical one, but I, I love the the little log that she delivered. The 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 log mm-hmm. transition um, mm-hmm. between b- before we kind of got onto the discovery, but it was from Michael Burnham. And it's a long, but she says around these two suns, ice, dust and gases collide to form planets. Future generations will call home. 
a humbling reminder that all life is born from chaos and destruction. Around these two suns, ice, gas, and dust collide to form planets future generations will call home. A humbling reminder that all life is born of chaos. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I just love that. Bars. Yeah. Star Trek got bars, They got bars. They got bars. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Community leader. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a bar. (laughs) Oh, man. I want to, like, go back and put that back in the first episode. Just, no, just please do. do. <laughs> All right. Um, what kind of cliffhanger is this? Ooh, so I love Colin. This. So Colin, when Colin writes his book, it's going to be called the cliffhanger, and Colin has three different uh, theories of the cliffhanger. Uh, every cliffhanger is either a burning question, a big reveal, or a main character activate. Mm-hmm. And now, because I've seen this enough times, I feel like I can add an extra little subset. Because it happens. And also some of these, now I'm realizing that these come in sequence sometimes. And usually they come in a specific sequence. Orphan Black. This reminded me of Orphan Black. So mm. in Orphan Black, we remember like there was a sniper that ki- that right. killed uh, one of the clones. Right. That was the shock and awe. So shock and awe is a, is a subset cliffhanger that wow, leads to a burning question. So you've got shock and awe that leads to a burning question and sometimes to a main character activate. Mm -hmm. All right. So in this one, it was a shock and awe that led to a burning question. And then in a a way, it was a big reveal that also led to a burning question. There was like Mm -hmm. they they stacked them on top of each other. So to Mm -hmm. me, this is the way it happened. It It started with the Vulcan death grip. Okay, the Vulcan death grip was like the shock and awe in my mind. Once I realized mm-hmm. at what point in the episode we were, because in my mind, honestly, when that happened, I could have watched it for another 30 minutes. Yeah, no, I remember watch, it was my second time watching and mm-hmm. the Vulcan death grade happened. I'm like, wait a minute. Are we almost done? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like <laughs> yeah. you felt like you could have still watched the show for so long. And then, I, and then mm-hmm. it made me think like, is this a part one, part two? And it wasn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So then, so that was the shock and awe moment. But then it was, then the, the, uh, the, the Klingons come up and like like you said, the warbirds just start rushing in at warp speed and like coming to attack because they they followed the beacon. So that was like the answer to the call of that of mm-hmm. that beacon that they that they uh, showed a little bit earlier, and then that led to the <laughs> a literal call to action, <laughs> literal call to action. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because that's what pilots are too. They're the call of action for the series, and that's what, uh-huh. it, what end up do, ends up doing. But the the Klingons show up. Now we're terrified. But it's the burning question in the big reveal. The big reveal is that Michael Burnham was right. The burning question mm-hmm. is what the fuck is going to happen next? Are we, <laughs> are we going into war? So, um, yeah, it was a lot. There was a lot going on in that one particularly. Right. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. I like that. I like that. I have no... I cannot <laughs> add to that. <laughs> you got, any, you got any qualms with that one? No, I don't. I okay. don't. I love it. I love it all. Right, cool. uh, any story threads you see you anticipate coming? This is one I always like fail to write down, but I'm always thinking about like mm-hmm. for this one. I, it's funny because this one is hard because I've I've watched it. So there's so many of them that I would never have seen coming. So I have to kind mm-hmm. of temper what I'm thinking here. But I'll say we're going to have the philosophical difference between all three characters, Saru, Michael Burnham and uh, uh, and Philippa Giorgio. We're going to continue seeing that. I thought there was going to be 
in a weird way, maybe a will they won't they between between Michael Burnham and Giorgio. That's what I was feeling a little bit, uh-huh, especially uh-huh. in the opening yeah. a little bit. And then there was a uh, there's a there's a little flirtation. There yeah, there's in, something. In the it's like a love there. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, it's like almost inappropriate for the workplace. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. There, there was something that I just saw a little bit of like she's looking at when she looks at Michael Burnham to go and like, hey, go ahead and help Saru out. You know, he doesn't know what he's doing. It's like what the, the look they gave each other was just kind of signaled that to me, but also <laughs> showed like. I thought that we might have a little bit of like Saru ineptitude followed by some like insightful mm-hmm. things that he says and does uh, to kind mm-hmm. of fix it. Um, and then obviously like the big ones are like, we've got the Klingons in that war that's about to happen. We have the Klingons coming together and unifying in a real way. We have mm-hmm. like a super bloody war that may throw the, inter- the, the, the Federation into like a really, really serious and bloody conflict mm-hmm. um but yeah that's all i got for for now yeah yeah i mean i i got uh you know the funny thing is like when i'm looking at Vogue, i'm like if i were to give critiques to this i Vogue is important because he's uh, we of all the things that we just said however because he gets so little screen time i don't know necessarily know if i remember that this is a story thread that is probably gonna like lace through the entire season is mm-hmm. Voke's ascension or descension or you know or Voke and Michael are, are gonna like have conflict like he, because he happens so briefly and they're in such two radically different places I don't necessarily know if these two characters are gonna come are gonna run into each other mm-hmm. even though I know genre and I know like that's probably what's gonna happen mm-hmm. um because I know Star Trek I don't necessarily know if this is going to be a big bloody war I could this could simply be a one-off thing and then they go about you know, this could be a part one, part two. Right. You yep. know, so I don't necessarily know if this is a big, if this is a big bloody war, um, quite just yet. And uh, I do think I do see like the three. I do see that three dynamic gonna play out. Um, and I'm curious, like, if we get so much. It's also the first time we're centered around a first officer, and I'm inclined to be like, oh, okay, this. When are we gonna learn more about the captain? You know what I mean? And so the fact that we're so centered on the the first officer has me very intrigued. Now, we've been talking about this whole time being like, oh, this is actually a character study about Michael Burnham. So, you know, I know that, like, eventually, you know, Philippa, something happens to Philippa or Philippa disappears or Philippa gets off the ship somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, however, like, me knowing Star Trek, my expectation is like, okay, we're going to pull over to Philippa somehow. Yeah, it's a show you know about I mean? captains, typically. You know, yeah, typically, and this is this show is not yet, not yet, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like all those. Oh, that makes all sense to me, and it's predictive. I'll say what I know of the future, so I think you did a good job Mm -hmm. there too. All right, so I have a question for you, and I want to know your Steph Curry slash Caitlin Clark award. Yes, for this episode. Um. So my Steph Curry is uh, Sonequa Martin Green. She does an awesome job. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's I'm I'm always very intrigued by these actresses and actors who who have to play these characters who are who are a little bit of off of center, especially um, something that they're dealing with emotionally, um, and especially when I can like me as an audience can like be like see them grappling with that. You know, we talk about. 
uh, Michael C. Hall with Dexter and Jenna Ortega with Wednesday. I think uh, she falls within the sim- similar kind of thing of someone who has something burning inside, but has been like, uh, has been, uh, you know, like uh, uh, taught that she has to like not do the thing, not express the emotion that she really needs and really wants to express. Mm-hmm. So that's my Steph Curry. Yeah, it's always tough. Like that's that's the beauty. That was the beauty of like learning about Spock after after the fact. Like really kind of going mm-hmm. deep into his character, especially after Leonard Nimoy died, and they did a bunch of things about Spock and how mm-hmm. he looked at the character and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, she does she does a great job of carrying that that torch that Leonard Nimoy kind of passed on to her. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my Steph Curry goes to Michelle Yeoh. Um, that's that's the goat. Yeah, Caitlin Clark goes to Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she, yeah, she's the goat, man. And um, my, my wife, as I was watching this, she was looking at it. And she was like, "She's in this." And I was like, "Yeah." She's she, like, "She's in fucking yo, she everything." In, she in fucking everything. She did uh, uh she, she did that movie uh, two years ago, and now she's just in every motherfucking everything. Thing. And then she's so good. She's so she adapts so well, and she can. She's almost in this weird like Denzel Washington kind of mm-hmm. phase in her career where she can be recognizable. Like she doesn't have to, it's almost like she doesn't have to, and I don't know a lot about acting, so you gotta, gotta forgive me, but like mm-hmm. she doesn't do a lot of like morphing of no. who she is. You recognize like, you know, everybody says like, I guess this is the, the, um, the crude way of saying it. Like everybody says like Denzel Washington plays the same guy, you know, he plays the same person and everything. It's just cause mm-hmm. he's so ubiquitous. We, we see him as the same. And that's how I right. feel about Michelle. Yo, but she just does a great job of playing that kind of like mentor, but friend at the same time yeah, yeah. with her. Yeah. And um, I just love some of her, her kind of like snide remarks and, and little quips. So I just gave it to her in that, in that regard. I think she's yeah. a great Star Trek character. Yeah. Well, she, and when she was, Earlier in her career, she did. She did play a lot of characters that morphed and, you know, she did a lot of different things. I think the thing is, is like when when you cast an actor of that gravitas, it's like we're carrying all of the stuff that we've seen them in and then we're mapping that on to whatever character they're playing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the same thing with Denzel. As soon as, like, we get Denzel, we know instantly, like, who this character is because we have all of this backstory with Denzel. Um and the awesome thing about Michelle Yeoh is that Michelle Yeoh isn't does not care what show she's doing. She'll show up to The Witcher. She'll show up to Star Trek. <laughs> she'll do like prestige stuff. Like, and so I mean, like to have an actor of that caliber, like, like be like, hey, you want to cast me? You want to hire me? Hell yeah! You want to write me a check? I'll show up. <laughs> and she kills every time. And she all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but I just loved yeah, yeah. her. Uh, all right, nice. so what you got for your Juneteenth award? Yeah, uh, you think I'm going to go obvious, but I'm actually going to give it to Volk. Because. <laughs> That's funny. That's because good. look, 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 look. If your entire species is uh, black as night, and you, the one species, the one person who's <laughs> who look like two chains, chains. And you have the nigga's experience. (laughs) (laughs) And he is pushing the culture forward. Because, yes, you too, black man listening, 
to this podcast. You too, black woman listening to this podcast, can unify the 47 tribes of black people <laughs> and create the empire that will overthrow our uh, oppressive. oppressive U.S. <laughs> imperialistic <laughs> oppressors. Oh my gosh. That's a really good one, though. I love that one. I love that one. Uh, is yeah. that? Did you say you had? Do you have any more? Or just that one. That's the one I'm gonna give it okay, to. Okay, gotcha. Because you're gonna give. I know who you're gonna give it yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You know we, where I'm at. I, I gotta give it to Sonequa Martin Green. That's what I'm going with. Yeah. Of I, I mean, like I, it's the yeah. first black woman as a Star Trek captain. Yeah, and it was it, history. I, I just remember watching her on uh, on on um, The Walking Dead around this oh, time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember she unceremoniously left the show. Uh, I believe she got killed. Yeah, sure. sure Probably. She, yeah, which everybody does. And I was like, yo, she was a great character. And then I heard like, oh, yeah, she just booked Star Trek. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, and then. That's why she left the Right, show. right. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just remember getting that news and watching her. And she's been killing it. And they have one more season. They just announced actually today or the other day. They have one more season of Star Trek Discovery Season 5 coming up, and I'm super excited about it. So, Sonequa Martin-Green, thank you for holding it down, and you yeah, get my yeah. Juneteenth I award. See what, I can't wait to see what she does after this, because she's become kind of a, a genre queen, you know, between Walking Dead and this. And we don't we don't often get, like, you know, black Americans doing, like, being this embedded in genre the way Black women, is. too. Black yeah, women. black women in particular. So, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm really excited. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. All right, so who is more likely to play Hustlin' by Rick Ross as they fly their star sh- starship? Is it uh, uh, Captain Burnham or is it uh, Captain Sisko? 100% is Captain Burnham. And you already know that. <laughs> you already know that. We weren't even sh- sure that Captain Sisko had a black experience back on Earth. We weren't. <laughs> you, know that pissed my, you know that pissed my dad off? I'm sure it did. Because there's so my many. My dad was so mad. My dad, my dad, my dad was like, my dad was like, tell Colin that was whack. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been whack, but it was funny. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's funny. When I, I mentioned my Uncle Steve and, uh, and Uncle Bobby, uh, who I will text this show to. But they, um, I'm sure they felt the same. If they listen to that episode, they feel the same way because look, they look, love look. Cisco. They love Cisco. Black men of a certain black men of a certain age love Captain Cisco, and I understand. Like, I mean, especially like, look, and goatee, ball head Cisco is a G, but he, but in the pilot, We're he's talking not, about pilot Cisco, a, man. Let's be honest. If, <laughs> yeah. it, I, I would just implore your father, uh, uh, please go watch that pilot again because you will see what I'm saying. You will understand. I promise you. Uh, all right, cool. What you watching, man? Okay, uh, what I'm watching is kind of funny. You know, you know, I've been um, watching foolishness with my wife sometimes, and I will say a lot of times I, I when I talk about the reality shows that me and my wife watch, I mm-hmm. don't apologize for them, and I'm like, I actually like it, and I think it's good. This one I'm saying is pure foolishness. We are watching Love is Blind. It's actually set in Charlotte, North Carolina. Everybody's love, everybody loves this show, Love is Blind. This one is, I, I'm going to keep watching, but it's not the greatest. It's not the most fun to watch, but it's, I'm, I'm still watching. And then the other thing I'm watching, because I actually read the, um, I read the graphic novel, which is rare for me, uh, before a show comes on. But I watched, um, I'm watching a, uh, Resident Alien. It's oh, been cool. put on Netflix. I've watched it yeah, before, yeah. but I'm rewatching it now um, on Netflix. But 
it is interesting. It's and you know how you know how book readers say it's not as good as the book. The book is better, <laughs> but it is entertaining. So I like it. So that's what I'm watching nice, right now. Dope. Uh, I'm watching the Vince Staples show, which I I'm digging. It's blown up on socials. Everybody really likes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, if you like Atlanta, um, I think it's a great you know follow up to Atlanta. Um, it it, it kind of. You know, it's a little. It it runs a little parallel to that show, and sometimes where I'm look, I'm like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, I, it's like too close. It's a little too close, but if you go for the ride, I think there's some. You know, I think Vince Staples is such a interesting voice. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it seems like he's, you know, he's fully going full into this, and and no longer in music. So nice. nice. That's where you get to see him. Right. Um, and then I'm super excited for Shogun. Super oh, excited Wait. for fucking Shogun. Is that the 27th? 27th. 27th, okay. I thought so. Let me tell you, this is what comes out that week. Fucking Shogun. Fucking Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. That also comes out that week. You don't know what the fuck I'm talking I about. I don't I'm know just, or I'm care, the- but go ahead. <laughs> this is for the audience, not me. <laughs> Ooh, so awesome. all I'm saying... All I'm saying for nerdy niggas, like this shit is a, that's a February. Thank you, Black History Month. End of February. Yeah. <laughs> Some dope shit. The leap year. The, the <laughs> leap year Black History. I feel like if there's a leap year on Black History Month, like the 29th has to be a very special day for black people. Somehow we need to do something special. I don't know what it is. We need to like, we, we need to it. throw down the way that we threw down the first official Juneteenth. In pro- yeah. in New York, in Brooklyn, I don't know how oh, it was Brooklyn. in the South. I don't know how it was in the South, but in Brooklyn, that it was insane. Like that shit was like a it, the entire borough was was having Nothing. a party. No, I think fun. about it. Think about it. every four years on the February 29th, we should just be barbecuing like it's you know Freedom Day. You know what I mean? <laughs> maybe I maybe maybe every four years on the 29th. Harry Tusman resurrects herself and, and slays a a, a racist. <laughs> I love Harry Tubman. You know, you know how I feel about her. That's so, the goat. When right they gonna there. make the When they gonna make Harry Tubman vampire slayer? Oh, that shit would be so fire. I'm not. Gonna I lie. think so. That I'm sure somebody. Fire. Hey, hey, um, uh, Jordan Peele. Uh, who else does? Who else greenlights random shit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that shit would be fire. I've, no. I actually watched Abraham Lincoln, uh, the the Abraham Lincoln one in theaters. Uh-huh. It was fucking insane. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I saw it in theaters. Really. <laughs> uh, all right. You want to plug some socials? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, so thank you for listening to the episode one show. We like again. We love hearing and and knowing that you guys are listening to us and when you, when you share things and you like our socials. We super appreciate it. If you want to find us on our socials, you want to find us on X, you can find us at the episode one pod. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to find us on Instagram, you can find us on the ep- at the episode one show. And if you want to find me personally, you can find me on Instagram at Colin says things. And uh, if you want to find me on X, you can find me at, I'm sorry, let me, I flipped that. If you want to find me on X, you can find me at, at Colin says things. And if you want to find me on Instagram, you can find me at Colin, the producer. We got way too many fucking handles. I know. Uh, and you can follow me on socials at Julian Elijah uh, for X. And you can follow me on Instagram at Julian Elijah Martinez. 
on Instagram. Make sure that you subscribe. Make sure you give us uh, a rating with those five stars. Really, really help us out. Yo, tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your, you know, your black father who's really into Star Trek. Yeah. You know, we might we might do another one and in. in a hundred more episodes. Yeah, we, we gotta wait a while, but we will do another one. <laughs> we've done two, like how many episodes? We're fourteen episodes, and we've already done two Star Treks. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> we're almost, we're almost, uh, we're almost a year. I know, I know, I know, I know. Coming it's up, crazy, crazy. Yeah, coming up, but yeah, yeah. going steady. Going All right. Steady. Well, again, thank you for listening to the episode one show. We really appreciate it. Also, send those comments. We love those. Those help like drive us if nothing else to help motivate us to keep going but at the end of every episode elijah says this one phrase and i like to hear it right now peace peace